0: All that stuff that you do, Jason, every day that has made you you, that you just do because it's who you are. It's what you've learned. It's what you figured out. He's like, 80% of the world doesn't know that stuff. And I was like, I was like, that's crap. There's no way that, there's no freaking way that 80% of the world doesn't know this stuff. Like, it's so basic. It's so, and he's like, I'm telling you, and he said, here's the other thing. He said, the other 20% of the world that does know or maybe has heard of it, he said, they need to be reminded. So either way, there is an audience out there that needs to listen. Like if you have something that people want, they will, they'll come join you. And part of life is putting those things out there and like seeing, like de- is anybody following on this one? Like, did this one hit the mark? And it's just, it's amazing what happens when you, when you just, you step in, you use the gifts that you have and, and you just, you leave some space for what's going to happen and you trust that the way that it goes is the way that it's supposed to go. And, um, it's pretty amazing what happens when you do that.
1: Welcome to the Improvement Nerds podcast, where it's our goal to bring together a bunch of improvement nerds in order to start an improve evolution by providing people with a new tool set, a new skill set, and a new mindset. We're grateful that you're spending time with us today. If you enjoy what you hear, please follow our podcast and subscribe because there's sure to be good content that occurs in these conversations as we nerd out.
0: I was this person at work and I put on these clothes and I did this time and then I came home and I changed my clothes and I became this person like that space in between those things is like, like it almost doesn't exist anymore. And which is something that you and I, like it's exactly what you just talked about. It's something that we both know that if you, if you're personally fulfilled, you're going to be a better professional person. If you're professionally fulfilled, you're going to be a better personal person. You're going to be a better version of you at home for your for your significant other and for your kids and for your family. You're going to be a better person when you go to work and a better teammate. And for so long, we treated those things as like, well, that's personal development. Like that doesn't really, and it's like, no, it's like, we're so interconnected. And even if you're the best, like you, you've got it, you know, you're buttoned up and you've got it figured out when you come to work, like what's behind the mask in the front is like, my kid is sick today. My, you know, my parent is in the hospital. Um, I got bills to pay. I got all these things to do, and and we have to get to the place where we are a culture that acknowledges that, not as a place to make excuses, but like this is what's real and this is what's happening. It's the other piece of my my mission statement, and that is to facilitate. I call it facilitating aha moments. That spark lasting change. And so I've been in adult education for over 20 years. And the reason that I stay is because to be a part of those aha moments is a drug.
1: Hey, Improvement Nerds. This is Tom West back with another episode of the Improvement Nerds podcast. I am super pumped up. Um, I looked at my schedule in regards to all the episodes I was creating, and it's hard to believe that once this one airs, it's going to be episode 20. And I am i didn't think it was possible, um, but here I am. I've done it. I did the scary thing. I'll be honest. Uh, hitting the record button on episode one through 19 was terrifying, and it's still scary on episode 20, um, but I'm, I'm doing it. I'm having a lot of fun. And I hope you guys are enjoying it. And today on episode 20, I have a very special guest, someone who has encouraged me in my journey and really has been a catalyst for me. So around maybe March or so, I started to get this courage to put things out in the universe and start to, you know, address myself as an improvement nerd and to talk to individuals as if they were improvement nerds too, and just try to meet them where they're at and try to encourage them that they had these capabilities to make a profound impact. And as I started to put those things out in the universe, I met Jason Barnaby, who was doing that, he'd been doing that for two years. And he kind of came alongside my my journey and became a huge cheerleader for me. So as I've got to know this individual, um, one thing I've I've developed a crush on him, like I love everything he does. Um, He's just got tons of energy on social media. And everything you see him do really isn't about himself, but what he's always talking about is uh, how he can serve, and then maybe in challenging the people who read his messages to think about the ways they can serve. So everything this guy does, I, I'm just totally pumped up about, and so excited he's made time to come onto our episode and to nerd out with us. So, ladies and gentlemen, I introduce Jason Barnaby. Welcome to the show, Jason.
0: Hey, thanks so much, Tom. What a uh, what a humbling introduction. Thank you so much. That's uh... You know, in the, in the world of social media where you put things out on, um, on all the different channels and platforms, you never, I tell people this a lot, you never really know who's listening or who's watching. So um, when I hear those things like what you just said, it's, it's, it, it's a great reminder that it's working, you know, because you don't always know. So I appreciate you letting me know that it's working.
1: It is. I, I've on a couple of the episodes... Uh, you know, thank you for making the introductions to some of the guests that I've had. I've enjoyed getting to know those people. And then in those episodes, whether they say your name directly or not, I can tell that you've influenced them because they're using your terms. They're saying things like igniting their fire and serving with purpose and making an impact. So I hear your, your philosophies, your mindset occur within them. And, you know, if anything, that that communicates that. That you're making progress too and that these individuals are growing because of the inspiration that you've given them so kudos to you man keep it thanks man
0: i appreciate that appreciate
1: that a lot we're so excited you're here um and in your journey to get here as i talked to the improvement nerds on the episode i'm always curious about how they've got to where they are and their stories tend to be about climbing lattices like you know, going up and learning a little bit and making a decision to go down and sideways. And it's kind of like a wandering path. So I'm guessing that's probably true for you too. I can see now you're shaking your head. Yeah, it was definitely a wandering path for you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing today, but maybe, you know, the, the, some of the winding that you sure to get
0: here. Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I'm, uh, Able to speak at conferences. One of the things that's in my bio that people sometimes choose to use. And it's a, I think it's a very appropriate phrase. And that is that I've lived a lot of life in the life that I've lived. Um, and I'm incredibly fortunate for that. So, um, just the quick, uh, born and raised pretty much in Indianapolis, um, was an IU grad. And while there, um, which is kind of starts that journey, I think of, um, or maybe even solidifies that journey, but was very fortunate to be one of the original founders of the IU dance marathon, which will celebrate its 30th year this year. Um, And I jokingly, but seriously say that next to toddlers, I think college kids are, are the most selfish group of people on the planet. And the fact that they last year raised four and a half in one year, four and a half million dollars, Riley Children's Hospital. And now there are dance marathons like in high schools and they're all over the state and all over the country. It's pretty amazing. Um, The sum total of my ambitions after college, uh, I met a guy when I was 13 years old when I was skiing who was, we were in Colorado and he was a ski bum. And uh, I was riding the lift with him and I used to ski by myself so I could meet new people. That's kind of part of my thing. I just like to meet new people. And I said, What do you do? And he goes, Oh, bruh. It's like, I'm a ski bum. And, you know, I'm 13 and I'm sure like this dude was like, ah, I'm hooking this kid. And he starts spinning this tale about how amazing life was. And I mean, he was a surfer dude on the snow, right? Cause he was like, bruh. He's like, freshies every day, man. It's amazing. And I was like, well, you know, and I'm, you know, following his logic. And I said, well, what are you doing in the summertime? And he just, he just got this big grin and he looked at me and he goes, water rafting guide, bro. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I mean, looking back, I'm pretty sure that he was very stoned when he was telling me this, which is part of that lifestyle. But, um, I was hooked. I walked into the, um, uh, I walked into the ski lodge that day for lunch to meet my parents and told them, I said, I'm going to be a ski bum when, when I get older. And my dad was like, you graduate from college, you can do whatever you want. And literally I finished school the summer after my senior year in August. And by October I was living in the mountains. Um, so did that for a couple of years, uh, great experience. i i that whole lattice thing is so true. Um, mostly sideways for me, <laughs> uh, not as much, up. but wound up coming back to Indy. Um, after those couple of years of being a ski bum, uh, was on a short term mission trip to Ukraine and Poland, where I met my wife who was one of the translators. We fell in love and literally almost a year to the day, um, we got married. I moved back to Poland um, in April and we got married in May. We've been, it'll be 23 years this May, um, which is kind of crazy. Uh, we got our we both got our master's degrees in teaching. I was not a solid undergrad student. Um, let's just say that the first year I was at IU, I got more letters about being on academic probation than any other kind of information from the university. Um, I attribute that to two things, ultimate Frisbee and Euchre, um, because anytime somebody wanted somebody to play either of those or make a three o'clock run to the border, meaning Taco Bell, um, I was in. So uh, a very social guy and, you know, loved teaching, taught in Poland at the university level for five years, Um, kind of realized that that was something I really loved. And as I look back to my life and that lattice idea, uh, maybe moving up a little bit in that, but leadership was always something that was that was very prevalent in my life. I was the president of my middle school when I was in eighth grade. I was the president of my high school when I was a senior. I was the vice president of my fraternity in college. Um, I was in leadership stuff, like programs and different things like that. Um, when I When I went into the corporate world, um, I, I got leadership roles, um, just, I kind of, and, you know, I tell people that I'm, that I'm comfortably, um, I'm comfortably oblivious of the way that the world works. Cause like, I didn't understand the whole corporate ladder thing. I hadn't worked in corporate. Um, and in all honesty, the way that I landed in corporate, I was in education and I was not making the ends meet. Like I was working a ton of jobs. The two years that I was a full-time teacher, I had six W2s. Uh, and I tell people that those were just my, my legal jobs. Um, Cause I was like, Oh, you need your car detailed, You need your house painted. You need your lawn mowed. Like I was doing it all. And, um, and I literally stumbled on, I was on monster.com looking for something, probably a way to get out of teaching if I, to be honest at the time. And I found this thing for training corporate training facilitator. And I was like, like, that's a thing. And there was like, you know, this whole new lattice opened up for me. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I clicked this button and literally like seven pages of like jobs in indie like popped up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can teach and get paid like twice what I'm getting paid, have way better benefits. I don't have to deal with snot-nosed kids or annoying parents like where to sign me up. And so that's where my corporate journey started in um, training and development move through the um I'm a guy I did you know again I didn't realize that it was a sign of a leader to be constantly curious and that's the way I've introduced myself to people for years um just a couple of years ago I read in a leadership magazine that good leaders are people who are always learning who are constantly curious and I was like hey that's me so in the 10 years that I was in corporate I had seven different jobs because I would get to the end of a job and I'm like I'm bored can I do something else? And I see something over there. And actually the last three jobs that I had, I created myself. Um, I basically said, I see a need. And they're like, yeah, we think you're right. Uh, Right. They're like, write up the job description and we'll hire you. (laughs) So I was super fortunate from that perspective, but that whole time, even I think when I was in Colorado, um, my dad owned his own business most of my growing up life. And, um, I always knew that I would own a business someday. So I used to carry around this manila folder or a spiral bound notebook that said MOB on it, which stood for my own business. And I would make notes and stick articles in there. And um, When the corporate world, almost two years ago, it'll be two years in May when the corporate world uh, decided that it was time to eliminate my job uh, and gave me the gift of severance. um, I took that and, Started this gig that started as a side gig, as a side hustle, and now it's the main hustle. And um, I had some guy reach out to me yesterday on LinkedIn that I used to work with in the corporate world. Again, going back to what we were talking about, you never know. He said, Hey, Jason, I've been following you um, for the last year or so on LinkedIn. He goes, Love what you're doing, man. Um, He said, I remember working with you and you telling me that this was your dream. Um, So I'd love to connect. And uh, so I'm pretty fortunate.
1: Yeah, what what a what a journey, and just this modeling of being open to whatever experience comes your way, and just following where your curiosity takes you. I think a lot of people hearing that are like, "Oh my gosh, this guy he's just a wanderer, and you know he he was lost his whole life." And well, the thing is, is he, because you allowed life to take you where it was going to take you you probably have had a lot of different experiences and a little bit less stress uh, along the way.
0: Yeah. And the, you know, the crazy thing is like I was telling somebody when I was in the corporate world and and I, and I finally got up like what you were talking about, you know, got up the courage to hit, you know, for me, it was hit record on the rest of my life. (laughs) Right. Um, When I finally got the courage to do that, I was kind of mad at myself. I'm like, gosh, why didn't I do this earlier? And uh, I think a lot of us, do that. You know, we, we look at it through the lens of regret. And, uh, this person had some really wise counsel. They said, you know, Jason, if you would have started it earlier, you wouldn't be the person that you are today. You wouldn't have the experiences. Like I'm able to talk to people from the executive level to the weeds level in corporate America, because I did all of those jobs. Um, that time in corporate made me who I am today and I'm thankful for it. And so I think, Instead of begrudging the the journey, we need to we need to pull the nuggets out <clears throat> and realize that they've they've made us who we are. I totally agree with that.
1: The experiences seem varied to the average listener, but the person who's lived it, it's the recipe that's made them who they are. And those experiences Finding a way to connect them all and find the purpose of it and then learning how to share that story with others in a way to motivate them or excite them or encourage them is uh, what a visionary does oftentimes is to take these seemingly unrelated events, be able to find the thread that ties them all together and then can pull on that thread in order to make them more closely knit And find other individuals who have those similar threads, or maybe who have a thread in their own life that they can't seem to tighten up or make connections through. And visionaries kind of come forward and by sharing their story, they're putting it out there that here's been my experiences. Here's how all these things are connected. Maybe you have similar experiences or different, but don't ever doubt that all those experiences have made you who you are and they are connected in some way. You just got to figure out how those things are connected. And I think in the books i read from you that is that ember within that person and it's their purpose and oftentimes this common thread um uh, isn't understood enough for them to actually do anything with just so you know by role modeling let's tug on it let's see what it's all about and pull these things closer you're somewhat stirring a movement within yourself and the more excited you get about what you can do then you're in a better position to go out and help people realize what they're capable of doing. So I, I'm using the story of a common thread and pulling on that. But you you tell the story in a different way in regards to every one of us has an ember, a pole, uh, the start of a fire within us. And you know maybe we understand it and maybe that thing's ablaze and we're living that out. But other people haven't realized it yet. So that, that's kind of how... You know, I came across you as through your stories in regards to how individuals can ignite the fire within, and you know that I was looking to get my own fire started. So naturally, your stories spoke to me. And in your stories, it wasn't like you had it all figured out. No, still don't. <laughs> basically, you were saying, "Here's what I know about me," and I, in that understanding about me, I also know there's a whole lot more to learn.
0: Yeah. And you know, the one, I think the one thing I tell this story often, because I think, I think there's a lot of people likely who are listening today who need to hear this, but I have a really good friend. He's a local guy, Brian Neal. Uh, He owns a company called blind zebra consulting. He's a, a NFL referee during the year, which is hence blind zebra. But again, that comfortably naive and oblivious thing. I asked him, I've known him for years and I asked him like a year ago, I'm like, why is your company called blind zebra? And he goes, he just looked at me and I was like, what? And he goes, he goes, really, Barnaby? You don't? And I was like, no, why? And he goes, what do I do during the year? And I was like, you're an NFL referee, like, duh. And he goes, okay. And he just kept looking at me and he goes, and the uniform that I wear? And I was like, yeah, you wear a uniform, you know, and I'm just, it was not happening. And then he was like, he's like, I know, he's like, it'll come. And then, you know, it was kind of like that the the friend scene with Joey when he's like figuring so he's like and Brian was like yeah there it is um so that was kind of funny but um he told me years ago when I was kind of toying with this whole idea of consulting and what does that mean and um I think that's a daunting uh term for people because they're like well I'm not I'm not smart enough to be a consultant like I don't know the frameworks. I don't know the, you know, I don't have any certification. And he told me something that I thought was really, really uh, profound. And he said, all that stuff that you do, Jason, every day that has made you, you, that you just do because it's who you are it's what you've learned. It's what you figured out. He's like 80% of the world doesn't know that stuff. And I was like, I was like, that's crap. There's no way that, there's no freaking way that 80% of the world doesn't know this stuff. Like, it's so basic. It's so, and he's like, I'm telling you. And he said, here's the other thing. He said, the other 20% of the world that does know or maybe has heard of it, he said, they need to be reminded. So either way, there is an audience out there that needs to listen. And I, I literally, Tom, I set out for the next year to prove him wrong. I was like, that's crap. There's no way that 80% of the world, and what I found is that it's actually about 90 to 95%. And that doesn't mean that it's because that I'm such a wise guy and I've got it all figured out and the rest of the world is dumb. It's just the things that have made me me, that I take for granted, my expertise, if you will, that visionary piece. I just needed somebody to pull that out and, and to inspire me to, to say it. Um, and you find your audience, right? You find like people like you who've read my stuff and who've listened to me and follow me on social media. And um, I've had people who followed me for a while and they leave. Right. And I used to be like, Oh, I suck. Like they left. No, there's somebody else that they're going to go follow. And that voice is going to be better for them. But exactly what you said, just, I, I just think that there are people who are, especially during this whole COVID thing, like, you know, we've got, suddenly we've got a whole bunch of time to think. And it's like, oh, I'm so much happier that I don't have to go into that stupid office building or work with these toxic people or be around this stupid boss that I can't stand. I mean, some of us are legitimately missing, like, cause we have great work environments, but many of us are like, oh my gosh. And then the question is, well, if it's not that, then what is it? And And they're sitting there going, Well, I could never, I could never, I could never. And I would just like to encourage anybody who's listening that, yes, you can. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that, if you follow me on social media for a month to a month and a half, you will probably at least hear me one time say, and I mean this, I'm nothing special. I'm just the guy that keeps putting one foot in front of the other and trying to figure it out. You know, I'll be 50 next year. um, And I tell people, I just started figuring out when I was 48 what I wanted to do when I got when i grew up so don't feel like you have to have it all figured out yeah you
1: just have to have that moment where you allow yourself to go with that moment in some ways i think a lot of individuals have really important stories to share or experiences that if they were out in the universe many people would benefit from hearing. oh absolutely
0: and so many who don't because they feel like like a Like, and you know, even the person who's, who, who looks and says, well, yeah, I have this story or yeah, I have this skill, but somebody else is already doing that or somebody else is doing it better. So what? (laughs) Like you've got a network of people and a tribe of people that you touch and, and maybe there are 10 people in that tribe that really need what you have to say. And you're, I, I tell people all the time when I speak that you're robbing the world of your gifts. If you, if you just put them under a rock. Because why? We're afraid that that somebody's going to say they don't like it. So what? Like life is too day. If anything that, and I'm learning this even more with the COVID thing, like life can change. I mean, Tom, if we would have gotten a memo eight, eight weeks ago with things being outlined that they're talking about. And right now, like, don't go out, like, don't leave your house, six feet apart from people, wear a mask, wear gloves, like, working from home, we would have thought that whoever was putting those memos out was insane. And now we're like, yeah, that's totally normal. And so my gosh, if the world can, I mean, think how quickly things can change. And I'm, and part of me is just like, you know what the word, the phrase haters going to hate exists for a reason, right? There's always going to be somebody who's going to hate. And partly because that's, That's the thing that they love to do. And what I've definitely learned in my two years of being on my own is the haters and what they say is so much more about them and what's going on in their life than it is about you. And if you can realize that and just move on Mm -hmm. and just realize that that's, you can't, you can't save them or change them. Oh my gosh. There's so much freedom in that. Yeah.
1: I talking about these, these events of COVID and there's been abrupt change and a lot of individuals have these changes happen to them, which is less than ideal. Um, but sometimes people aren't willing to make the hard changes and it takes a catalytic event to open their eyes to the things that needed to be changed. And um, that's, that could breathe new life. You know, the, the, yeah, there's a lot of things that have been lost and there's a lot of fear and I'm not downplaying how this is impacting individuals' lives. Um, but I'm I'm not also playing a victim here. I, I'm I choose to accept this situation as as a, also an opportunity. Yes, of uh, changes that are necessary. And what you were talking about is individuals who are now realizing that they had a bad work relationship. So maybe they were working too hard or too excessive or. What they thought was important wasn't as important. That they that they can still lead a team and not have to be there in person, or they can still be effective and they not have to follow these rigorous rigorous processes that were laden with waste and really not impactful. You know, they're they're learning. So first they had to unlearn. Here's how I've done yeah. it, and now those things don't work anymore. So I've got to unlearn those things. I got to relearn new things. And those individuals who've gone from that you know, victim state to, okay, there's something here. There's opportunity here and I need to unlearn these things in order to learn new things. Those are, that's leadership. That a willingness to change and a willingness to innovate and initiate is the type of leaders that we need right now. It's not let's try to keep things the same and maintain the status quo. It's the status quo is gone as soon as we can accept it. The, the better positioned we are to define the the next step. And you were kind of saying that is, Hey, I don't, I don't have it all figured out. I'm just committed to getting started and keeping it going. Right. And I think that's just now starting to be the way that we're addressing this crisis is the shock is starting to wear off. The fear is starting to dissipate and the courage is starting to show up.
0: Yeah. And you know, one of the things that um, a guy, a local guy here in India and I are working together. We've put together a a framework to help uh, leaders. It's basically a 90 day framework to walk people through. But um, I use two, I, I compare two phrases and one, you know, you hear people say, well, the new normal. And yes, I agree that we are headed to a new normal, but a global pandemic is not new normal. Like this is not, Normal social distance, like that might be newer normal eventually, but like staying at home, having your kids not go back to school, concerts canceled, races canceled, graduations can't like that's not new normal. Absolutely. New normal to me is what's on the other side of this when we come all the way through it. But the phrase that I'm using to help people navigate through some of this insanity is the new now, like. Because new now, today, may, like, I'm a person who works in an HR department. New now, today, may look very different than it did yesterday. Very different than it's going to look tomorrow. Because a new policy gets passed. Something happens in the company. We've got to lay people off. We've got to change the way we've done things. Um, Whatever that happens to be, that's new now. And new now changes could change six or seven times a day. I was on an HR forum the other day, and the lady There's a lady there that said literally she rewrote in two days, rewrote um, a policy six times because of all the changes that came in two days. That's new now. And so how do we get through new now that's eventually going to be that new normal? Because it kind of makes me mad. Like a global pandemic is not freaking new normal. Like this is not new normal. This is not the way we're going to live the rest of our lives. We're going to get through this um but what's it going to look like once we're on the other side yes
1: yeah that i have subscribed to that same kind of thinking is um it there's an end of the old way and then there's this transitional state and then there's the new something on the other side and we're in a state of transition which is where it's most volatile and uncertain and the change is happening so rapidly that now is always you know being updated for um, whatever's happening next. And it's very iterative, very adaptive. And a ton. that's probably where you do the most learning. And if individuals are trying to find stability and transition, it's too soon. They're just going to exhaust themselves. They've just got to have a willingness to learn as they go and keep their eye on the end goal. So on the other side of this, if we really want healthcare to be transformed, it's not about our supply chain, and you know the things that we need to have the resources readily available in the moment of the crisis it's accepting that our healthcare system was already overburdened and already overrun before this pandemic happened really? accepting that our nurses and the caregivers and all those professionals weren't appreciated or valued as much as they should have been before the crisis happened, that they were being subject to um, complexity and confusion and they were asked to do impossible jobs before this crisis happened and now they're rising to the challenge they've they've risen to challenges before this they're gonna rise to this challenge and they're gonna rise to challenge afterwards that's just who they are as people but the thing is we can't just look to them to be the heroes we need to find ways to make their jobs easier in any context not just during a crisis and we need ways to keep them safe in any context. So yes, there is risk of spread of COVID and individuals getting this disease and being a vector in their house and getting their kids sick. I get that's terrifying. But there's also concerns for safety when nurses show up in the emergency room to treat someone who's um, facing an opioid crisis and is confused and fearful and potentially harmful to that nurse. There's safety there. What have we done around that? You know, there's a whole... Of things in healthcare that I hope on the other side of this, we can revisit and make good decisions about to say this is what healthcare needs to be going forward. And we've ignored too much too long. And this crisis was simply the wake up call for us to realize we have to redesign it. And that's, I'll get down from that soapbox. That's just, you know, some of the things that I hope happen on the other side. That's my longer term vision is that, yeah, we have a lot of stuff that we got to fix right now, but we have a lot of stuff we got to fix in general.
0: Well, and the thing I love the most about these kinds of catalytic moments like COVID, um, I lived in post-communistic Poland for eight years. And I mean, I cannot tell you how baked into the culture, the phrase we've never done it that way was. I mean, Every time you tried something new, the, like the default answer is no, like five times. No, that, that won't work. No, really. And no, seriously, no, it really won't work. Well, what if we tried? No, that really won't work. And so, like for a person like me, that makes me that doesn't that doesn't deter me. It makes me more steadfast in my journey to do what it is that I'm setting out to do. And I used to jokingly say to some of the people I taught with when they're like, well, we don't do it that way. We've never done it that way. I'm like, yeah, that was also called communism. And how well did that work out for you? So um, maybe we could try something new. And I love the fact that it just, this kind of a thing completely blows up the, and I'm air quoting that that's the way we've always done it. Because now like there's, there's so much creativity and so much new territory that's been unleashed and so many, if, to your point, if we are willing to look at it as an opportunity, because there will be people that will go through this that will stay stuck in fear, that won't change, that will actually go the wrong way and get more stuck than those who are saying, yes, this is something I'm going for, and I'm using it as an opportunity.
1: Yes. Thank you for, I mean, this introduction is just gone beyond just introducing yourself and we've crept into the thing that makes you nerdy and I want to revisit that because that's typically the stage setting question I ask but everything that we've just talked about all of that could probably be boiled down into the one thing that nerds you out so I want to get that out on the table so how you perceive the world and how you participate in the world is what makes you special and I brought you onto the show because I've seen that and you've inspired me to to show up also and to be the leader that I was meant to be. So I thank you for that. And that's awesome hope that people listening to this, that they can realize they too are leaders in whatever context or whatever role that they play right now, they have a choice and that is to embrace the story you have and to share it with others and incur an incurred or to be fearful for who you really are and let this opportunity slip away from you. And for me, you know, it took, I I wasn't brave enough to do it on my own. I had to join a tribe of people who had already faced those fears and gain my confidence from them. There's some people who naturally can face it on their own. And I wish I was that person, but I'm not. But so if you need that little extra kick in the pants, start putting it out in the universe that you're looking for individuals who are wanting to do this too. And it gets easier when it's done together than done alone. So I'm so excited that you're here because for me, you were that kick in the pants and you've been that kick in the pants mm. for a lot of people. And there's been other kicks in the pants. It didn't just take one. It took a whole bunch for me to get going
0: as it does. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so that's why, you know, I'm like on the list of people I need to have as guests, you were on that list and I wasn't giving up on it. And I'm so glad you're here today to nerd out with me. So let's, let's talk about what nerds you out. What, how would you summarize that?
0: well really i would I would probably say that it boils down to what I boiled my mission statement down to last year, and its' four words, and that is to ignite hope and to torch fear um, Yes, those are both you know branded words, but um you know what you just said is so important man there's so much there so let me let me tell you a quick let me tell you a quick story about something similar that happened. So um, to you and deciding to do this. So I was at a a business conference several years ago um, with several people that I worked with. There were about eight of us, I think, who were there. We were spread out. It was a, it was called the global leadership summit. They had like 500 um, satellite um, campuses that were showing this on big screens. It was a virtual thing, but it was really happening in Chicago. And they had a guy, they had tons of, I mean, they had amazing, they had, on one conference, Patrick Lencioni, John Maxwell, uh, Melinda Gates, um, uh, who was the other, there were a couple other big name people that were just, oh, Alan Mulally, the guy that turned around Ford, and then they had this guy named T.D. Jakes, who's a uh, pastor of like this mega church down in Texas. Um. And at the end of TD's thing, he said two things that, I, that have always stuck with me since then. And the first one that he said was, um, if you serve a magnificent God, do you have a magnificent vision to match? And I was like, oh, gosh. And, you know, I think whether you're a faith person or not, the question is still valid. You know, if you're not a faith person, take the God part out. But do you have a magnificent vision? And for me, it was like, no, <laughs> you know, it was like, I have a vision, but it's not magnificent. And I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't challenging myself in that way. And then the other thing that he said, which really lit my fire um, was, if you are a leader, whose permission are you waiting for to lead? And when he asked that question, there was a woman who was a good friend of mine who was sitting behind me, and she poked me in the back as if to say, like, are you listening? Like, who, like why?" And I was really stuck at the time. I mean, I was not a happy guy. I was not, I was not the best version of myself. Um, literally, like, pulling into the parking lot in the garage in the morning and, like, sighing audibly. Like, kind of like, I don't know if you remember that old commercial. It's like the guy that gets up, time to make the donuts, made the donuts. It's time to make the, like, you know, it was just that, like, uh, this whole Eeyore existence that I had. And so to your point, like I got brave. And it's funny to me what brave meant then, because brave means something else now, because it's definitely iterative, right? As you, as you take the next step, like brave gets bigger or different. Um, So brave at first was I sent an email to six people that I could think of and said, Hey, let's, let's get together, watch a, uh, watch a Ted talk short one over lunch and see if we can like hold each other accountable and maybe make some changes in the culture and, you know, just inspire one another. Well, I would love to tell you that like, I wrote that email and hit send right away. I wrote that email the Friday that I got back from this leadership thing and it sat in my draft box until Sunday, gnawing away, like right behind my, you know, right behind my ear. Like, you got to send it. You got to send them like and, and my biggest fear, Tom, was not that people I, I don't like I've I grew up pale skinned with a red Afro in the 70s and 80s when Richie Cunningham and Ralph Mouth and Bozo the Clown, who were all redheads, were on television. So like you can't the person who makes fun of me the most is me like that has never bothered me. Um, you're not going to make fun of me and make me feel bad. My biggest fear was that I would send this email out to ask people to join me and that the response would be indifference, Mm -hmm. that nobody would respond. That was my biggest fear. And so finally, I'm like, screw it. I'm sending it like I'm putting it to your point. Like I'm going to put it out there in the universe and see what happens. Because if I'm miserable, like if if I can't remember the last time I was inspired, there have to be other people around me who feel the same way. And we're all waiting for something or someone. And I realized that I was the same way. And, and that whole, like, again, nothing special, but I'm like, I, I most, most of the stuff that I do is for me. Like I write three emails a week that go out to several hundred people around the world. I write those emails for me. And then some, like they're written, you could say at the beginning, dear Jason, And like, they're really written to me. And so I wanted this group for me, right? Like I wanted to be inspired. So I sent this thing out on a Sunday on a corporate email and within 30 minutes had four of the six responses. And the responses were, oh my gosh, yes, please. Thank you so much. I've been looking for something like this. And the very first TED Talk that we watched, which is a great one, if if the people who are listening have never seen it, go out to YouTube and search how to start a movement. You've probably seen that. The shirtless dancing guy. Have you seen that? Oh, uh, yeah. On the hill. Yes. Yeah. yeah, the guy on the hill. And so what he talks about, which I think is super important, which is what you were just talking about, like they talk about the, the, the shirtless dancing guy is the lone nut. And then the people that come behind the lone nut are the first followers. And basically it's the first followers that make a leader a leader like if you have something that people want they will they'll come join you and part of life is putting those things out there and like seeing like did, is anybody following on this one like did this one hit the mark and so i put it out there man and that group grew from 6 people to 300 people in 9 months and i was like well clearly There are people who need this thing. So for me, like the nerding out thing, and this is that other, it's the other piece of my, my mission statement. And that is to facilitate, I call it facilitating aha moments that spark lasting change. And so I've been in adult education for over 20 years. And the reason that I stay is because to be a part of those aha moments is a drug That's why I was a corporate facilitator. That's why I've led people. That's why I've led groups and teams. Like when you, whatever it is, if it's somebody suddenly unlocking the keys to the past perfect tense in English, like that is amazing to me. If it's somebody who realizes, as one of the people in my 30 Days to Blaze program said recently, that all of these things have been in front of me this whole time. And I just needed to open my eyes and make a decision and be brave enough to say yes to something. Like, and this person said that with tears in their eyes because they're in their fifties and they're like, how did this escape me for so long? And they're like, thank you so much for, for showing this to me. And yeah, there's partly that there's partly me showing them, but the bigger part of that is them seeing it mm-hmm. and being willing to do something about it. Because I think there's an awful lot of people who see it and it scares the crap out of them. And they're like, nah, I, nah, that's too much work.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of individuals are more afraid of success than they are of failure. Sometimes
0: that's very true.
1: And so, uh, thank you for that. Like, I was over here. I got a hand cramp because I was writing a bunch of notes. So, one of the <laughs> things about is when the the learner is ready to learn, the teacher will appear. So that person who is saying these things have been in front of me my whole life, and I've just now seen them. That's okay. Just Don't be too hard on yourself once you do see them, because that regret can be something that stops you in your tracks too. Once you see them, go after them And, and just realize that they're gonna be fuzzy, like all things are early on. Like they're raw, they're unpolished, they're fuzzy, and they're very uncertain. And don't let that stop you. Still pursue a vision, even if it's fuzzy, because it's gonna get more clear as you get closer and closer to it. And the reality is, is that a vision is actually never realized anyways. It's, it's so profound, it's so big that that's the purpose of it, is it's in some ways unachievable. It's not meant to be achieved, it's meant to inspire individuals to strive for it. And I, I think you were talking about this, this vision thing. For you, it wasn't clear right out of the gate. It was misshapen, kind of ugly. And the only way that it got more and more clear was to invite feedback about it and to see how individuals received it and how they can help sharpen your thinking by contributing their own stories to your, to your stories. And that's how these things mesh together is really how relationships blossom and form and strengthen. So totally creating a tribe in some ways. And, and I'm reading tribes right now. Thank you for that recommendation. It's a a great quick read. And it says in there, there are tribes that already exist and they're just waiting to not be discovered by a leader. Yes, the leader is important, but they're waiting to discover each other. So once that leader shows up, their job is to help create the connections between them and the tribe and the tribe between the tribe members. So each other. And that's really where the movement starts is once the, the, the flywheel starts to go where it goes from one person to six people and then the six people to hundreds and so on and so forth, so forth, That that's facilitated through one thing is getting the story out there and inviting feedback to that story through communication and creating a sense of belonging around it so that they have a shared purpose and to, they're better together because of it. So. Everything you were saying, like, I feel in some ways I've, like, thought that way. And I've seen that that's an awesome way to get things done through experimentation in my roles. And what caused me to take the leap was I knew that was the way I wanted to do it, but it didn't fit in within the organization I belonged to. Even though it was a very forward-thinking, innovative, and people-centered organization, they weren't willing to take the risk I was willing to do in order to create a movement that I thought was necessary, which was to empower people every day in their place to take ownership of the processes that we have given them to do their jobs and instead ask them what we can do for them instead of asking them what they're doing for us. And that, that challenge... Totally and authority and organizations exist to control power and authority to execute and produce products and services that's how they've always existed and I needed to get outside of an organization to do more of transformation in a grass grassroots fashion and that's where this improvement nerd idea was born was how do we get outside of the way we've always done it and put the power in the hands of the people who actually manage that process and perform that process day in and day out and learn to listen to them instead of ask them to listen to us and the decisions we've made as their, their manager or their leader or the representative of a stakeholder or whatever. And it was a, it was a shift and it still is. I, I find sometimes when I talk to organizations about my belief system, they don't like it. And I was talking to Alex Perry, who is a mutual friend of you and I, and she was <laughs> on episode five. She said, and I'm sure yes. you feel like you lost that client. And she said, don't ever feel that way because what you've done is you've positioned yourself to realize the clients you're meant to work with. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, because when you're getting started, you're hungering. You want any project or totally. that comes your way. <laughs> And had I said yes to those things and kind of changed my identity to fit what they wanted me to do, I don't think I would have realized what I wanted to do and find the people who want to do it too. That's who I meant to surround myself by.
0: Totally. I totally agree with that. And you know, one of the things I've realized, so in doing this 30 Days to Blaze, the, I call them the inaugural tribe of people, which Jacqueline Martinez was a, was a part of. Um, Paul Ashley was a member of that tribe. Um, What is so cool, and it is exactly what you said. So I, I had this idea. I have this program. We walk people through it. I facilitate it. I'm the person who's committed to leading it, um, to coming prepared. And we do, we use um, the group chat app Voxer a lot. Um, I, it's probably one of my main ways to communicate with a lot of people in my tribe because you can leave voice messages and you can also speed them up, which I like because if people are talking slowly, you can get through it faster. Um, but what happens with this boxer group is like, I'm the leader for about a depending on the group, but with the inaugural tribe, I was the leader for like three days And then what happens is you you wind up checking into Voxer late in the day and there are like all these other conversations that have happened that you didn't start, you weren't a part of. Um, Suddenly people – and as a matter of fact, one of the things that happened with Jacqueline Martinez's um, podcast, the From Coffee to Wine podcast, is she was talking about it all through 30 Days to Blaze and she got to the end. She's like, I'm going to start this podcast. I'm going to do it. And Paul Ashley, I didn't do it, which I thought was so cool. Paul goes, so when's the first one going to air? And just like threw it out there. And, and Jacqueline was like, um, and, you know, and true to who she is, she jumped right in. She's like, um, thought for a second, maybe pulled up the calendar and was like, this date. And just like that, there was a date and that was the catalyst. I don't think it happened on that date, but it happened soon after. Um, and I, I didn't have anything to do with it. I was on the call. Like I facilitated the call, but it was so cool to see their connections happen. And now she's on Paul's. Um, he's running for man of the year for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. She's on his, on his uh, team. And it's just, it's amazing what happens when you, when you just, you step in, you use the gifts that you have and, and you just, you leave some space for what's going to happen. And you trust that the way that it goes is the way that it's supposed to go. And, um, it's pretty amazing what happens when you do that.
1: Yeah. And it's even more amazing when you see it, come full circle. I think a lot of individuals that don't get that blessing in their life, but they need to trust that it does happen. So when you were talking about as a facilitator, how addicted you were to going around and turning on light bulbs in people's heads. And I, I loved that part of being a corporate trainer too, teaching people process improvement and problem solving. And there were individuals who would come to the class begrudgingly, and they were defeated by process. And I would not teach them, but I would meet them where they were at and allow them to be capable to receive this message that that process is the way it is because it worked for us in the past and it doesn't mean it always has to be that way. And that We need you, who is an expert on that process, to tell us how we can make it better for you as the operator and as the servant of that customer. You are their advocate. Let's make this process work for you so that you can work for them. And once I started to teach and interact with that way, those naysayers, those people here were begrudgingly, they put their guards down and they were the biggest champions, the most innovative people that there could have possibly been. They were super engaged and they made a profound impact. And I knew it was happening outside of the class because I would see the projects these people were working on. So I was like, oh, this is doing great stuff for this organization. Look at all this improvement we're doing. But I didn't realize what improvement does for that individual. And I got feedback through a leader who hosted like a team building event that included family members. And one of the family members pulled that leader aside and said, I want to thank you for giving my significant other purpose again at work i'll tell you she is happy out. Mm. and that's where like i get chills sharing that story because when people are in a situation where they feel powerless or defeated that moment doesn't just happen where they are in in the workplace because it's where my training was i realized that those problems spill over into that person's everyday life totally but a what a toxic or vicious cycle that organizations are creating and they are oftentimes not even knowing it, but we can create a virtuous, more fulfilling cycle by actually giving that person purpose at work. And if we do it there, they're going to go home with different energy. And, you know, that energy, sometimes you see it play out and I got the feedback and I'm glad I did because I realized the bigger picture of what I was trying to do is I wasn't trying to give people purpose at work. I was trying to give them purpose in life. And that validated it for me. So I'm blessed that I got that full circle. Other people that just realized that full circle is playing out and you may never see it, but still do it anyways because you're doing it for the right reason. And like it was totally. a filling career. And I've, I just made the decision that I wanted to make that happen in bigger, grander ways with many more people, not just the people that were employed by the employer I was working for at the time, but I thought, wouldn't it be cool if this was something that I can do every day for the rest of my life and connect with so many more people and just give them the confidence and the courage they need to realize who they are meant to be and to make an impact. And man, I'm not there yet. I don't, but I'm so excited that I'm on that journey right now.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, I think another thing that's happening as a result of this COVID-19 thing, which really goes into some of the work that I'm doing, which is, Great because again, I couldn't have written enough commercials or enough copy to try to convince people. But you know, suddenly um we are invited into the living rooms, bedrooms, basements of everybody's home that we work with, right? Like, um, I was I was on a call a couple of weeks ago. This guy was looking for a good, like, hot spot in his house. I think I saw his entire house. Um, cause he just went from one room to the next, like he, he settled in one place and he was too loud cause her baby was sleeping. So he had to go somewhere else. And, um, and you know, he's walking with his, with his camera on and I literally saw his whole house. So this idea of like, I was this person at work and I put on these clothes and I did this time. And then I came home and I changed my clothes and I became this person like that space in between those things is like like it almost doesn't exist anymore. And which is something that you and I, like it's exactly what you just talked about. It's something that we both know that if you, if you're personally fulfilled, you're going to be a better professional person. If you're professionally fulfilled, you're going to be a better personal person. You're going to be a better version of you at home for your, for your significant other and for your kids and for your family. You're going to be a better person when you go to work and a better teammate. And for so long, we treated those things as like, well, that's personal development. Like that doesn't really, and it's like, no, it's uh, like, we're so interconnected. And even if you're the best, like you, you've got it, you know, you're buttoned up and you've got it figured out when you come to work. Like what's behind the mask in the front is like, my kid is sick today. My, you know, my parent is in the hospital. Um, I got a bills to pay. I got all these things to do. And, and we have to, get to the place where we are a culture that acknowledges that not as a place to make excuses, but like, this is what's real and this is what's happening in all of the things that I facilitated during COVID-19. I've had three corporate groups that have gone through 30 days to blaze and we've moved. I think I had, yeah, I did have, I did have face-to-face meetings with every group, but we moved everything virtually and what, and I built in some extra time at the beginning about 10 minutes where we just went around. It's like, what's on your mind? What's been the greatest challenge and the greatest victory. And it's so funny. There was one lady who was like, well, I gotta, I gotta really dig in for that victory. I, I don't really feel like I have any and it, it's now become the running joke for the group. But she's like, I guess today. And we meet typically on Thursday. She goes, I guess today uh, I'm pretty excited because I put on pants like real pants, not yoga pants, not PJ pants, but I put on real pants for the first time for this meeting today, even though we couldn't see your pants. But it's like those, like celebrating those victories that we have and um, and just realizing that that all of that affects who we are when we show up and what a privilege it is. And I totally understand what you're saying when you realize that you get to be a part of that. And for me, like I said, and I saw you shaking your head when I was talking about it earlier, like that is a drug. It is, and I say that in my book, like that's been my drug of choice for decades is to be a part of that aha moment, whatever that is, whatever that is, because it's such a powerful thing to be a part of.
1: It is. And those little victories that you can help create, they Oftentimes, life-changing. Like they're a wake-up call, or they're an opportunity for that person to show up and serve in a different way. And just think, I got the feedback about the little victory I helped that person get, and I heard about how it was playing out in that person's house. Well, that that person is in the healthcare setting, so they interact with patients who need comfort and empathy. Ever in every interaction, and the thing right. that person wasn't capable of doing those things because we had robbed them of that opportunity by asking them to work harder instead of work smarter. So when we gave them the space to actually be present in their work, they could actually care for someone in authentic, personal way instead of caring for someone by simply performing the processes they told them they needed
0: to do, and that you know and. The, and- and for me, the, the ripple effects of that, right? Like, how's that, how's that person that's being cared for going to feel? How is the team that sees that person caring for that person going to feel? Like, what effects are those? And it just keeps rippling out. Yep. And man, that's powerful.
1: It's huge. And I didn't understand the, the magnitude that a ripple can have. And now that you've recommended tribes to me, and I'm reading it, he's sharing Seth, Seth in the book that he's written stories of total transformations that have happened simply because one person made the decision that the change was necessary, and the status quo could no longer exist. And they challenged it. They shook the boat. They caused a little bit of trouble. They they wore it on their sleeves. Whatever they put it out in the universe just to. One, stand up for what they believed in, but to just, you know, um, voice the, that the way that it was happening right now wasn't working. And they just sounded the alarm. And there's once yeah. it happens, people will either say, well, we, we can't do anything about it. That's probably not the case. It's typically once that alarm is sounded, you're going to see individuals rally around the idea and say, well, I felt that way too. And I'm so glad that you sounded this alarm because it needed to be sounded. And man, I wish you would have sounded it like two years ago. But once that goes off, that's the starting blocks of the, of the new way of potentially doing it. It opens up the door. It creates the safety and the space for people to actually change and what, what good things can happen then.
0: Oh, totally. And you know, the, the idea of, so one of the, examples that i use is i you know if you've ever been on a so where i used to work it was on a one of the the corner that i had to cross to get to the building was a one-way street and as often happens you know it's telling you not to walk but there's no traffic coming right so yes i guess i'm advocating breaking the law here a little bit um but you know for me i'm like <clears throat> i've got somewhere to go right i've, I've got a I've got a goal in mind and this thing is telling me to not go, but there's no, like, you know, with a proper head on my shoulders, like I look down the street and there's no cars coming for like a whole block and a half. Right. So I'm like, why am I going to stand here and wait for this light to change when I could go now? Right. So I would look and typically there were other people standing with me and we're all standing there kind of just waiting for the light to change. And I would most of the time I would cross the street and I got to the point where I sort of made this a game where I would start to walk and I would try as indiscreetly as I could to look behind me to see if anybody was following. And so many times several people would be following because they're like, and, and to me, I'm not advocating like leading people into traffic, but like what that says to me is that people are waiting for somebody else to lead. People are waiting for somebody else to make the decision. People are waiting for somebody else to do the hard work and they are willing to follow along. And what I found is, you know, going back to what I've said, I I honestly believe this. I am nothing special. But what I'm doing is showing up. Yeah, I'm showing up when other people have said I'm done. I send out three emails a week when some people can't send out once a month, one a month. I'm just, and I just keep, and I haven't hit every, like, I don't have a perfect record. I've missed some Fridays or some Mondays or whole weeks because of whatever. Um, But the default is to keep showing up. And when you do that, people like the momentum that I have gotten after two years is incredible because I've just shown up and there's a great, um, there's a great, it's a great YouTube video of Gary V who talks about Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you follow him at all. Um, but he did this online wine thing and in the, above his head, he has all the wine episodes, like episode number, blah, 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 blah. It's just constantly increasing. And it gets to like over, I don't remember what the number is, but it's over a thousand. It might be over 2000 of these episodes because he's talking about quote overnight success. Mm -hmm. And he's like, there's, he's like my overnight success took me 15 years. And he's like, now you see me with the things that I'm doing. And now you see me with, because I showed up time after time, after time, after time, after time. And like the number was ridiculous, but you just realize it's, are you going to keep showing up? Because most other people are going to quit. I mean, you've got to see that in your running, you know, with what you do of just like, you can't run the kinds of distances you run without getting up when you don't want to get up, when the weather's not ideal and just putting one foot in front of the other and going and running. And I know for me, when I was running before my foot surgery, like, there were days where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do, like, this doesn't feel good. And I don't want to do it. And it sucks. But those were oftentimes the workouts when those were done where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did that. Mm-hmm. I so needed that. Yeah. And I find that's just, I find it's the same now. Like I'm going to be real transparent. Like I woke up this morning and I, I was up late last night and I was, you know, making some business planning and doing some stuff and honestly, Tom, I got up this morning and I'm like, I don't know if I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm tired. Like this is, it's wearing me out. And, and in all honesty, I was like, uh, how am I going to like get up and be somebody who people want to listen to on this podcast? Like when I'm not feeling it myself. And I have to tell you, this conversation has lit a fire back in me and just, saying my truths out loud has been a real like encouragement to me to keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that vulnerability to say like this, this is hard work. Don't ever um, let anyone tell you. Otherwise I think see the end product and think uh, that person's lucky or, or magical or things just happen to conveniently work in their favor. No, it was kind, okay. And you had to have these small habits that you committed to that were uncomfortable. But you did them to be consistent. And those things now have added up over time it, in, in investing, because I come from a finance background. What's called compounding interest is yep. you, the, every piece of content you create or every message you send over time that adds up it'll meet people where they're at. And the more and more you do that, the more and more people you're meeting and they take and they hear that message. They reshare that message. And that grows over time. And and it's who knows how long that building phase is going to take, but don't give up because those habits you're doing are the building blocks of creating that conversation. And even though you may not see it in a measurable way, it is happening. You just have to trust that. And you can't quit. You got it. Even though you've got to, right. there's plenty of times where you're going to wake up and be like, I just don't have it today. I get that everyone has those moments. But it's the ability to say that's the the a story I've made up in the back of my head that's trying to convince me I can't do this. And I've got to learn to tell that voice that I can and I will and just watch me. Like, here, hold my beer kind of situation. So think, right for wrestling that in saying that not today, it's not getting the best of me today. Cause you're, there's going to be days where it doesn't nag at you and things come together nicely. But then there's other days where it's going to punch you right in the face and it's going to be a wrestling match and you got right. to be
0: willing crappy. Well, and the other thing is too, I think, I think people have this, this, this misconception that, um, even when things are hard, like there are days when I think it's okay to pull the covers back up over your head and just be like, I need to rest today. Like I need, like, sometimes you need to sit in the suck, um, for a, for a day or two, to your point about having a tribe, you can't stay there. Mm-hmm. And that's what your tribe is for. Like my tribe will reach out to me on Voxer and say like, Hey, haven't seen you. You haven't posted anything. And like, like if I don't post something on LinkedIn in like three or four days, people are like, sound the alarm, like what's going on. Um, so like you okay, what's going on? Haven't seen you. And though that's, we're not meant to do this alone, none of us. And even if you start it, and even if you're that person that like jumps out front and you're on fire and you're the bulldozer and you're clearing the path and doing all that, if you don't have people around you who you can count on, who are going to speak truth in your life. And that sometimes that needs to be sit down, shut up and rest. Um, Give yourself grace and space. Um, Allow yourself like you failed. Guess what? Everybody does. You're not perfect. Perfection is an illusion. Like whatever those truths are that they're speaking into your life, you need those people in your life because you will burn out. Um, And as much as this, life that I'm leading in this business that I have is a social business it's also a very lonely business Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: a lot of time is spent here creating content putting things out you don't you know you don't get the the reactions or the engagement that you want on a particular post and then it's like well why like why didn't I and what's wrong with that and what's Sometimes it just doesn't hit. And so your question is, what can I learn from this and what's going to be the next one? And how is, you know, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, We are not meant to do this alone. We're just not. And um, you know, the, one of the things I think we've all realized during this COVID-19 thing is, is a hashtag that I put on LinkedIn a lot, the power of the tribe. Um, To share, to build you up, to, to challenge you. when we started that, that tribe vibe thing in the company that I worked in, our, our mission statement was tribe on to challenge, encourage, connect, and grow. Those were the four things that we wanted to do. And I think that that's what you have to have those people, those intentional people that are going to tell you the great stuff. Like if my tribe shows up at a speaking event where I am, I don't want them to tell me like, oh, that was awesome. Like I know, and I don't mean this to sound... Arrogant. I know to a part- I know to a certain level that it was awesome. That's why I got asked to do it because I'm really good at that. That's what I do, and that's why I was hired, and that's why I'm the person who's in the who's in the pamphlet or who's in the you know the overview that says that you know the program that this is who's coming. I want them to say, you know what, you could have really nailed this better or done that better, or that's the only way I'm going to get better. And, and we need, especially now when we have this time in our lives to reflect, I mean, think about how much time the average American has gotten back by not having to get, if you have children, not having to get kids ready in the morning, not having to get kids on the bus, not having to have dinner ready by a particular time because you're rushing when you get home. You don't have a commute. Some of us are choosing not to shower. Um, so it's like, think of like just those five things, how much more time you have in your day than you had five weeks ago. It's, and what, and and to your point of what you were talking about earlier, it's a choice. Do I use that to binge watch Netflix for two extra hours and stay up till three o'clock in the morning? Or do I use that to read the book that's been sitting on my, on my nightstand for the last year that I keep saying that I'm going to read? Like, how are we, how are we, you know, how do we, how do we figure that out?
1: Yeah. right. I've, that What a, a wake up call in some ways has individuals received this episode. I want them to really reflect on what you laid out right there is we have this gift in front of us now of time and time is a precious resource. Don't ever doubt that, that um, once it's gone, you're not getting it back. So make a choice right now. And listening to this episode, make a choice right now. How are you going to spend the time you were just given and be intentional with it? And I hope that in that challenge, people make a decision. You know what? I'm going to look into this thing that Jason's talking about. I'm going to look up his book. I'm going to look up the authors he's talked about, Seth Godin, and all these individuals. I'm going to listen to the TED Talk he just mentioned. You know, for I hope that you've created that that, um, hunger for people. And as they go to act on it, how do, how do they find you? Because it's obvious we've got time right now and let's make the most out of it. Let's, let's not let this gift be squandered. Let's take inventory of who we are. So I know in your book, you know, it's to try to understand your own personal fire. It's look at who you've surrounded yourself and make decisions about them and the roles that they play. So your book, your stories are great resources for individuals who want to make change in themselves so that they can make change in the world. So for people listening to that, and now they're motivated to do it, how do they get involved
0: with you? So thanks for asking. First of all, a couple different places. One is if you're a LinkedIn person, find me on LinkedIn. Um, I, that's, that's, those are my people. That's my tribe. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but the most engagement and feedback that I get are on LinkedIn. So just look me up as Jason Barnaby. Um, I do have a uh, business page on LinkedIn that I haven't really done much with for Firestarters Incorporated. Um, I am on Instagram as uh, Firestarters Tribe. And if you go, if you're a Facebook person, you can find me personally. Um, I typically just share like goofy stuff from the personal side, but there is Jason Barnaby dash Firestarter on Facebook. Um, and the other thing and we didn't really talk about this before, Tom, but um one thing I'd love for you to include in the in the show notes is I did write last year a um a free e-course. And a lot of people when you say that, they're like, oh, here come the gimmicks. Um, here like you're sticking me in the sales funnel kind of thing. This is just something that I was challenged with last year, um, the idea that you can neither give nor receive with hands that are clenched. And so I am endeavoring to open my hands as much as possible. And so I want to put that in there. It's basically some of the things you've heard us talk about today, but it's my five favorite tools that I use for myself and for all my coaching clients in one um, online course that I would love for anybody who downloads it to pass it on to friends and family, especially during this time with this gift of time that we have. Um, to really it's called ignite your new year but it could be ignite your second quarter <laughs> because I think a lot of us those life plans and those goals we had at the beginning of 2020 uh, look a lot different uh, today so yeah
1: they and I'm sure i read your book I loved it it's a lot of fun it's turned me on to some of the things I needed to work on but you've also got little nuggets in the book that just make life more fun like The bands that you love, love them and and go see them. And I think the book will remind people that this is temporary. And on the other side is those opportunities to invest in the things you love, whether it's the band or you talked about sports and running in the book. It's a good reminder of do the work on you and work hard on you, but don't forget to play. So I hope I've loved that book and I hope individuals look it up and make the investment in it. And I don't care if they think it's a sales funnel, I'm promoting it because it's a smart investment. <laughs> don't, don't ever doubt money spent on yourself to be a good investment. Like
0: totally, in totally. The, and you can find, you can find the book. It's igniting the fire starter within you can find it on Amazon. Yeah. Um, self-published cool. one of the easiest things I've ever done. Yes. Yeah. And so, Publishing, not writing the book.
1: <laughs> you, you mentioned that, that, hey, this thing was hard and I didn't think I can do it. That's how the book starts. It's like this book is yeah. hands because of some hard grunt work and facing my demons and it wasn't easy. So I totally I, great, great, quick read. And it's a lot of fun. And, you know, for people listening to this, like the key takeaway is double down on investing in yourself right now, whatever. Totally you need go get them and do the hard work on you you won't ever regret it man all right we could have we could have made this like a four-hour episode my friend yeah
0: it's been really good it's been good for my soul thank you
1: and for mine too like i love these podcasts i love the guests and uh, yeah i'm having a lot of fun promoting them but selfishly Every episode I walk away and I'm like, I needed that and what a way to look at our world. So thank you for the way you view the world and for showing up today.